0: episode is a sermon by Reverend Marvin Seaton, titled, Good Bones. It's about what makes for healthy congregations, and what happens to Christian communities and institutions when they lose their way. Well, I have some good news to share. Uh, Laura and I have sold our house in Columbia, Missouri, and we have bought a house in Haddon Heights. Oh, that's very tiny. <laughs> very tiny. And so I'm going to be joining Laura Uh, A week from today in the evening, we're going to pack up some things, the movers are going to pack up the rest, and uh, Laura and Ethan will be heading east with us. Now, the home that we are selling was built in 1971, and the home that we're buying was built in 1952 so we are selling and buying a middle-aged and late middle-aged house and you know houses are sometimes like people middle-aged houses we don't look as good as we used to but if we've been exercising we may be you know good on the inside even if things are certain to kind of look bad on the outside so uh and our real estate agent uh and others have encouraged us to look for a house with good bones so you know if the uh Basement is dry, and if the roof doesn't leak, and if there's no termite damage, then you can overlook that dated wallpaper and the pink or aqua uh, countertops in the kitchen. You know, you can you can deal with that, but you can't really deal with the other problem. Uh, there was a case in point. We saw a house. I say we. Uh, Laura was on Facetime, and I was in the house, and we went into the house with our real estate agent, and it had been completely redone uh, on the inside. There were new floors, there were new countertops in the kitchen, there were brand new appliances. Both of the bathrooms had been completely redone, but when we went downstairs, we could see little pinpoints of light coming through the foundation wall, and. Actually, my real estate agent said no before we did. I looked at her and she just shook her head. You know, if the real estate agent says you can't buy the house, then you you know you really can't buy the house. <laughs> now, in the gospel lesson that we just heard, Jesus sounds a lot like our real estate agent. Jesus and his disciples have gone to the temple in Jerusalem to worship at the Passover festival, and the temple in Jerusalem. Was an amazing house of worship. Not only was it the center of Jewish religious life throughout the world. It was also a recognizable wonder of the Roman Empire. King Herod the Great had spent a dozen years and an incalculable amount of money expanding and renovating the temple. It was beautiful. And the disciples were dazzled by its beauty and its ornamentation. But Jesus looks beyond the ornamentation. And the furnishings and the great wealth on display in the temple, and he foresees trouble. The temple, he predicts, is going to fall down. Now, Jesus is not basing his prediction on seeing cracks in the foundation or discovering termite damage somewhere in the temple. Even though he was a carpenter, he was a a, a day laborer, he probably could have made a nice evaluation of the building on those merits. But note, Jesus. Sees something else wrong. There is a moral rot in the institution itself, and that rot is going to undermine the temple, and it's all going to fall down. And history vindicates Jesus' pessimistic appraisal of the temple. A generation after Jesus was crucified and risen, a revolt broke out in the Holy Land. And the Romans crushed the revolt with great force and great brutality. And in the process of doing that, they destroyed the temple, set it on fire, and burned it down to the ground. But in Jesus' telling, the destruction of the temple wasn't just a a military or a political setback. It was a divine judgment on an institution that had lost its way. How had it lost its way? What did Jesus find fault with the temple for? Well, to answer that question, you kind of have to go back and you have to read uh, the chapters before this passage of Scripture and listen to what Jesus is saying and to watch what he's doing in this tumultuous week that he's in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he arrives on a Sunday that we now commemorate as Palm Sunday, Jesus walked into the temple and he was so angry, he... Well, he threw a temper tantrum, basically. He overturned tables, and he cried out in the middle of the temple, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Those are quotes from the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah. The mission of the temple was to be a beacon and a light, to draw all nations to the worship of the one true God. To lead people to put away their idols, their uh, man-made objects in which they put their trust, and to enter into a relationship with the living God. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. But it had abandoned that mission. It was now, as Jesus saw it, a place where people could harm and oppress and take advantage of others throughout the year. And then once a year come up and worship and be assured that they were still in good graces with God. But that's not what houses of worship were for. Just before this passage of scripture, when Jesus launches into this sermon, uh, Jesus warns the disciples about the scribes, who were a class of paid, professional interpreters of the law. And since in those days the law was sacred and secular, it tended to both those things. You can think of the scribes as a, a combination of attorneys and ministers. Um, which is, you know, I don't know, It's kind of an unholy combination, right? Preachers and lawyers. <laughs> he warns the disciples to pay no attention to the scribes because Jesus accuses them of embezzling and scamming senior citizens out of their inheritances, out of the wealth that they have accumulated for the last years of their life. And then, then along comes a widow, an elderly woman, who puts in two small copper coins into the offering box. Uh, you, You may know this story if you've been born and raised in the church. It's the story of the widow's mite. And Jesus says, look, look, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Another woman has been fleeced of her last penny. These people will take your last penny from you. Be careful. Watch out for them. I know it's stewardship season and often... Uh, ministers appeal to the widow's mite As an example of extravagant Generosity But it's not really her generosity That Jesus is calling The crowd's attention to It's the scribes who prey on people Like that And will literally take a vulnerable person's last penny There may have been no water damage In the temple the basement may have been dry The roof may have been intact There may have been no termites Infesting the load-bearing beams But it didn't matter The temple was doomed to fall Because it didn't attract outsiders So much as it gave insiders false assurance And it didn't serve vulnerable people It exploited vulnerable people And when institutions lose their way God parts ways with institutions That's what Jesus warns the disciples about In this passage of Scripture. Now it's Anniversary Sunday in the life of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield. And let's think for a moment about this house of worship and this community of faith, founded in 1871 and worshiping in this facility since 1906. This house of worship isn't new, but it has good bones. As I understand that you re-roofed this building just a few years ago, is that right? And just in the last couple of weeks, we've installed solar panels on the education building, and we have replaced uh, old inefficient light bulbs throughout the building with uh, efficient LED fixtures, and so we're going to be reducing our utility bill and our carbon footprint in the weeks and months and years to come. This house of worship has good bones. And it is also a beautiful place to worship God. It, it, as Rachel said in her stewardship talk, it has a sense of the transcendent. It raises us up out of ourselves, whether it's the stained glass windows, or it's the beauty of the choir, or the organ, or the handbill choirs. And at the same time, and this is how I feel about it, it, it has a kind of homey, cozy feel to it. You know, the, the exposed wood in the ceiling, it just... It just feels warm, even as it inspires awe and brings us into a sense of of God's presence. We mentioned the Tiffany windows. Uh, I want to call our attention to one of the windows in particular, and it's this window over here. I'm sorry, folks, you're going to have to crane your necks if you want to take a look at it. The window that faces King's Highway. This Tiffany window commemorates... Another time in the life of Jesus when he visited the temple. This visit to the temple was a happier experience. Well, at least it was for Jesus. It was not nearly as happy for his family. Uh, You may know this story. Jesus and Mary and Joseph would go up to the temple in Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover. And when Jesus was about 12, they went up there and they were returning home to Nazareth and Galilee. And Mary and Joseph, they weren't helicopter parents. They were more like free-range parents. And so they just kind of let Jesus go on in the crowd of, you know, neighbors and with relatives. And then they lost sight of him. And, and they couldn't find him. And they had no idea where he was. And so he, they went back to the temple in Jerusalem. And there he was in the middle of the temple, astonishing the elders of the community with his Precocious knowledge of the scriptures and what it meant to be a child of God. And his mom and dad said, Where have you been? We've been looking all over for you. You said that, right? To kids who miss curfew or kids who've been out on their bikes too long. And Jesus says, Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? That response. It's in the same glass. I don't know if you can see it or not, but it's like a ribbon uh, that has a scripture written on it. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? So let's think about that business that our creator has for us. As we gather in a very different worship place on the other side of the world many centuries later. What is this business to which we are called? Well, in light of Jesus' criticisms of the temple, uh, I think that we can turn those criticisms inside out and say that our business is to be a house of prayer for all people, and that our business is, in the words of another verse from another place in the scriptures, to care for widows and orphans in their distress. Not exploit widows and orphans in their distress, but to care for widows and orphans in their distress. And if you think about it, this dovetails really nicely with our congregation's vision statement. We say that we are a church whose vision is hearts open to Christ, doors opening to Christ's world. That fits nicely with the vision of God's business for us being a house of prayer for all people and to care for widows and orphans in distress. I want to talk about each of those things. Being a house of prayer for all people. You know, there's a lot of anxiety in congregations all over the country as we come out of the pandemic about how we can get people to return to church and how we can get people who have never engaged in the community of faith engaged in the life of a congregation. Really, the place where we start is our own engagement with the community of faith and our own relationship with God. When we are a house of prayer for all people, that means that we are attending to our relationship with God through daily prayer, through weekly worship, and online worship counts. Uh, And we attend to our relationship with God once a month when we come to this table and we taste and see that the Lord is good. If we are deepening our relationship with God, then people that we know will see that. They will see the positive difference that makes in our lives, and they will want that difference for their own lives. Or to put it another way, someone told me once, you can't give what you don't have. What the church has that no other philanthropic or non-profit organization has is God's promise to dwell amongst us in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is Christ that we offer to the world, but if we are not in a deeper relationship with Christ, we can't offer that to the world. So when we are people of prayer, people who glorify God and worship, then we can be more and more open to the world around us. Our spiritual growth leads to numerical growth and leads to others discovering who Jesus Christ can be for them. The second business that we're to be about Is to care for widows and orphans And their distress Do you know why we should take care of widows? Because they take care of us They take care of us We invited everyone in the congregation Who's been a member for 50 years or more To worship with us this Sunday And not everybody could come But I received this wonderful thank you note About that invitation this week in the mail From Elaine Mitchell And uh, Maybe you saw this in the weekly news or on social media, but just in case you didn't, I want to share this note with you. Thank you for inviting me to the November 13th, 2022 church service at 10 a.m. I am 94 years old this month and do not manage to walk too steady. I will think of everyone enjoying the service. The 830 service was my choice. And Ruth and John Richardson sat behind me in the next pew. And I believe the flowers this morning are given to the glory of God and in honor of John Richardson's birthday. I pray every day for God to keep First Presbyterian Church safe. I have wonderful memories and God has blessed me and has taken good care of me. 50 year membership is so wonderful. She's praying for you. She's praying that you'll be safe. She's praying that you won't uh, pull out in front of that car. And that your kids will get to school and home safely. And that the test results will be good. They're taking care of us. So let's take care of them. We can take care of widows and widowers and really the whole congregation in many ways. If the nominating committee, for instance, asks you to be a deacon, then pray about it and say yes. Because the deacons are our congregational care ministers. They assist Nikki and they assist me in caring for the congregation. And with a week to go in our fall uh, stewardship campaign, you can pledge your support to the budget in 2023. Your gift of any size helps provide training and resources for our deacons and for our seated ministers, a new ministry of congregational care in our community. And also it provides... For pastors who take the sacraments to those who cannot get out, who provide meaningful worship services when we entrust our loved ones to God, and who offer a listening ear and prayers for the members of our congregation. Prayer and care. These are the bones of this and every church. Healthy bones make for a strong body and an enduring house of the Lord. So let's attend to them. Let's attend to the business that our Creator has for us so that we and those who come after us will have many, many more anniversaries to celebrate. In the name of the one who is, and who was, and who is to come, amen. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.